Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You are listening to Late Hits on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Presented by Dr. Jennifer Joseph, Get Physical Rx. And by Dr. Krista Reyes, Texas Sinus and Snoring Audiology. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Patrick Creighton. Late Hits ESPN 97.5. You know... This idea that maybe, you know, we get to the deadline and there's going to be a bunch of guys moving around. I think it's possible we could have a lot of guys moving around. But here we have on the, you know, on the national level, this idea that basically every team that is a legitimate World Series contender, or at least thinks they are, is going to do something relatively big, except the Houston Astros. It's on ESPN.com. I'm not, I'm not even lying. You guys know me by now. It takes way too much effort for me to make stuff up, so I don't do it. I just tell you what it is. I don't give you any BS takes. I don't make stuff up that I don't believe in. I don't generate things, quote, to get a reaction, right? You always get it straight from me. I don't do the BS radio. Hey, let me say something that I know isn't true, but people will react. Yeah, I don't subscribe to that. You know, maybe if if I did subscribe to that and I could just decide, hey, you know what? I'm just going to go out there and say some wild, stupid-ass stuff that we see come out of, you know, Cowherd or Skip or Nick. Or uh, our our good buddy, Stephen A. We know those guys say stuff that they don't freaking believe. We know they say stuff just so that you'll go make some reaction. You'll post online. You'll click it. And then the next week, they'll get the totally opposite take as if what happened a week ago never existed. I don't play that game. I guess I have too much respect for myself and too much respect for you to come up here and say, let me just talk straight out the booty hole, and then next week I'll say something totally opposite and no one will magically remember. I'd probably be a lot richer if I was. I just I can't do it. It's, it's fake radio to me. I won't do it. When I see stuff like this article on ESPN.com, Going through like, oh, well, this would be you know, the most likely, the best move for each team. And I see, you know, the Yankees. They should get Andrew Benintendi. He's a really good player. That's a, that's a major acquisition. The Red Sox, they should go get Jose Quintana from the Pirates. It's a big acquisition. The Jays. They should go get Louis Castillo from the Reds. Frontline starting pitcher. A big acquisition. 
the Twins, the Twins who are a, you know, lower on the budget scale, they should go get David Robertson at the back of their at the back of their uh, pen. Be a pretty solid acquisition. They have the Cleveland Guardians getting Trey Mancini from the Orioles. Now, just think about this for a second. The Cleveland Guardians, who have dumped all the salary known to man, are going to go pick up a guy who's making $7.5 million, which, grand scheme of things, not expensive. To Cleveland, very expensive. They are one of the lowest payrolls in the league. They have the White Sox, who are probably a four-game losing streak from being sellers. Acquiring Tommy Fan from the Reds. Don't let him in your fantasy league. They have the Angels as buyers. Getting Brandon Drury from the Reds. They have the Mets acquiring Wilson Contreras from the Cubs. Big move. They have the Braves getting David Peralta from the D-backs. Pretty big move. They have the Brewers getting Michael Pineda from Detroit. For the Brewers, that's a big move. They're the smallest market in baseball. They have the Dodgers getting Frankie Montes from the A's. It's a big move. He might be the best starting pitcher on the market. They have the Padres getting Josh Bell from the Nats. Big move. They have the Giants getting Zach Granke from the Royals. That's a pretty big move. Granke's not who he was eight years ago. He's still a pretty good pitcher. What do they have the Houston Astros doing? They have the Astros getting a left-handed middle reliever, Andrew Chafin of the Tigers. That's that's the Astros' big move, according to the national guys. They're just gonna they're gonna go get a bullpen guy. They get a lefty bullpen guy because you know Dusty wants a lefty in the in the pen. They don't have one right now. Uh, Taylor's on the IL, so yeah, uh, they're gonna get a, a lefty reliever. Every other World Series contender or wannabe World Series contender is making some kind of major move except the Astros. They're getting a middle reliever. Now, to be fair, Chafin's a pretty good middle reliever. The last three years, he's been one of the best left-handed relievers in a game. But for all the money the Astros didn't spend in the offseason, don't we have higher expectations? Don't we expect the Astros to make a full push for that second ring, which has eluded them now twice? Don't we expect them to make the full push for the second ring? We've talked about how, you know, does the second ring justify the first ring? 
and you shouldn't need a second ring to justify the first ring. It's not really to, does it, does it justify it to baseball? Does it justify it to Astros fans? No, but it shuts up everybody else. Who continue to pretend, oh, only the Astros were cheaters. Nobody else did anything. <laughs> There's a letter from baseball that says otherwise. Besides the point. That second ring with this core, you don't want to be the 90s Braves and win the division every single year and go to the playoffs every single year and get one freaking title. You know, the 80s Mets should have won three rings. They got one. This team is too good to only get one. I know they love Machete's defense, and it's not like if you upgrade a catcher, Machete will suddenly not be here. Because he will be. And you know what? You're already dealing with Michael Brantley on the IL, and they don't even have a timeline on when he's coming back. He's got a shoulder injury. They don't have a timeline. What if there was another injury? If you go out and get Wilson Contreras and he becomes your primary catcher, but then you have an additional injury, does Contreras become your DH? And then Machete's right back behind the plate? Every game? Are we expecting Machete can't, you know, coach up Contreras to at least be 80%, 85% of, of what Machete is. You teach him how to call the game. Teach him how to handle the pitchers, the, you know, the back picks. That stuff he probably won't learn. But you can learn your pitchers, know their tendencies, know what they're good at. That's stuff you can learn. What Machete can't learn is he can't learn to hit like Contreras. And Contreras is also an excellent defensive catcher. It's not like he's some, some bum back there. If you follow, quote, the metrics, he's a better defensive catcher than Maldonado is at this point in his career. According to the metrics. But the, you know, the veteran savvy, the knowledge of the staff, that stuff Maldonado can impart. It's something that we hope he's imparting on Corey Lee right now. You know, if... If Yuli continues to struggle, does Matajevic get more time at first? Does Aledmus Diaz get more time at first? How long is the string with Yuli Gurria? Because he's in a walk year. If you know, if you wind up having to sit Yuli down, he's 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 out of here at the end of the year. It doesn't matter. How long is that leash? I'm not saying run out and get another first baseman because I don't think there's somebody out there that's going to come in here and and just be lights out and take the cover off the balls. You've got some guys who are already hitting, who are here already. And Manajevic's ripping the cover off the ball at Sugar Land. If if somebody's going to get a shot, well, he should get one. You know, Diaz has started to hit recently. Maybe he gets some more time. 
they've got options in-house. They don't have options in-house behind the plate. And it's not like you got to worry about center field because, oh, look, Jake Myers is back. Oh, and he's hitting. Oh, and he's making four- and five-star catches. I think he's four for five on four-star catches, and he's had a five-star catch, and he's only been up for, what, two weeks? Jake Myers looking exactly like the guy that you wanted in center field. You know, and, and he's look, he's still finding, quote, finding the bat. But he's hitting 297. I mean, when, when he came up, Chas was hitting 219. And Siri was riding the interstate. To have Jake Myers come up, still play elite defense, and hit 297? Hell, if he hit 270. He's made a major impact on the lineup because now it's a guy deeper. Coming up next time for Money Plays, we'll talk with our buddy Chris Dell from Sports Map Elite. He's got tons of plays for you guys. Free next. ESPN 97.5. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. It's time for Money Plays, brought to you in partnership with Sports Map Elite. Now get ready to take down the best money plays of the day. Time for some Money Plays. Joining us on the HRMP guest line, pro handicapper with Sports Map Elite, one of the co founders of Bet Predators. What's up, buddy Chris Dell? What's up, Chris? Oh, going good, Patrick, man. How's it going? I'm um, doing all right, man. It's uh, I'm not outside right now, but I can see through the window. It is a gorgeous skyline. The sky goes from, like, blue to pink to purple. It's really cool at this time of night. And if I was not here in the studio working, I would be in my backyard with the grill on, sitting down, popping a cold one, and enjoying the night. It's, it's gorgeous out here, man. Let me tell you, I wish I moved to Houston 20 years before I did. I love this city. I really do. I I didn't think I would. When I first moved down here, I thought for sure in a year or two I'd move back up north. Within six months, I was like, I'm never going back there. Uh Uh-uh, never. Uh Uh-uh. When when I was wearing polo shirts and shorts in the middle of February, in the teeth of the winter, instead of digging three feet of snow, oh, yeah, I was never going back home. That sounds nice, man. I I, I get some of the same here in South Florida, so nice and sunny and humid, pretty much 365 uh, days around the year. So for me, I'm used to that type of weather. It's a love-hate relationship for me, man. I kind of miss the snow a little bit during the winter times. You pretty much get rain on Christmas. But other than that, definitely enjoying the weather as well. A lot of rain these days down here. Yeah, I think it was 85 on Christmas, so it's a little different, (laughs) but I'll I'll take it, man. Hey, I know, uh, know you and I talked earlier. And you've got a stack of stuff to talk about. And I don't want to take up your time because I know you've got a lot of things to give the peoples. So, uh, you know, NBA has been a little bit of a hot topic. Uh, the, the crumbling of the foundation in Brooklyn. And we talked about, you said you got a little, uh, some, some NBA futures plays. I know you're big on futures. Let's, uh, let's talk with you about the NBA. Uh, what are you liking right now when it comes to NBA futures? 
Yeah, you know, I'm looking for value in the futures market on teams that are somewhat stable, to say the least. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with Kevin Durant. You know, you hear some solid arguments that he's going to wind up staying in Brooklyn after all because the price tag is going to be too high in the market. And you see, you hear, you hear and see rumors uh, about things like Phoenix and whatnot. So with Kevin Durant's situation, I kind of want to lay off those teams that could be potential landing spots, whether it's staying with the Nets, whether it's going to a team like Phoenix out west or somewhere in between. So I'm looking for some stability here and, and some futures that I like early in terms of let's talk about player awards. We talked about last time we were on uh, about the NBA draft, and I told you that the one bet that I did like the most was Van Caro to win Rookie of the Year, and obviously him going to a team where he's going to get dominant usage in Orlando, and I think they're going to want to prove that they got that number one pick right. So that's a, that's a, that's one that I like, and I bet already right off the top at plus three sixty. You can find him around between plus three hundred, plus three fifty in most markets right now with Van Caro to win Rookie of the Year, and then maybe I'll add to that card as the season moves along. If there's some surprise in that market, maybe Chet Holmgren continues his good, you know, his stellar play after one game in the summer league, although I'm kind of waiting to see on that and how that works out. But uh, MVP, you know, honestly, it's a little bit chalky, Patrick, but I really like Luka Doncic at plus 600. You've seen the photos of him surfacing, of him being in almost the best shape of his life after the season where he, he got jabbed a little bit for being overweight and out of shape. And now you have the fact that Jalen Brunson, you know, could have won a most improved player this past season, uh, a very ball-dominant guard who played next to Luka. He's gone now. And they added Christian Wood, a big down low, who's going to help them with scoring on the inside. But Lucas might be even more ball-dominant himself than, than ever having that heliocentric type of role in that offense. So I think at plus 500, plus 600, whatever number you can find that at, the MVP is all about narratives and making money as a multi-billion dollar business. And I, I think the NBA is really sold on that narrative from the top executives down to the, the bottom level and the fans that Luca is the next person to carry that torch. So Luca plus 600, Giannis plus 750, having a bounce back season with Chris Middleton. I like a little bit of John Moran at 18 to one. So I'm kind of building my futures card around those guys. You can say, Hey, this is going to be the face of the NBA for the next five to 10 years. And there's a legit shot that all these guys went deep into the playoffs. They all have reasons to improve healthy players going back to Memphis for next season. Chris Middleton becoming healthier going back to Milwaukee. And obviously Luca reloading with whatever the Mavericks wind up doing in the offseason. Uh, most improved player for me, uh, I'll keep it again to playoff teams where I think they can have success with a star player who could be a future face of the league. And two guys that I really like off the top, Anthony Edwards, 12-1 to 1 to win most improved player of the year. You're talking about a team that's looking to ship out D'Angelo Russell at point guard. You're going to see Edwards' usage increase as a ball handler, as a playmaker in that offense. And then you throw Rudy Gobert into the equation. Look, I, I think the Timberwolves completely overpaid for Rudy Gobert, but if anything, we learned that Rudy Gobert is a fantastic regular season player, and he's going to increase the regular season win probability for Minnesota, no matter what they do for the rest of the summer before next season starts. So Edwards, you know, he's a little bit too young to be in the MVP race, although I don't hate a little bit of a piece of that small wager on that. I believe you can get him to win MVP around 120 to one. I'd rather take a bigger bet on him to win most improved player at 12 to, 12 to one. Talking about a guy that could possibly average 25 plus points a game for a 50 plus win team 
former number one pick. The narrative is very strong there. Another one, not as big of a bet, but something I'll throw a little bit on as well, would be Tyrese Maxey, most improved at 30-1. to Obviously, we saw the potential in him in year two in Philly. I think that only continues to improve. We'll see what the contract looks like with James Harden coming back next season. But regardless of what happened, happens, we know Harden's going to take a little bit of a pay cut. Maxie's only going to continue to improve, and they need Maxie to be the future face of that franchise if they have any hope of keeping Embiid long-term. So I think those are the two best values on the board. A couple long shots for defensive player of the year that I also like uh, before we wrap up the NBA talk. Two guys who are in contention for Rookie of the Year. Scotty Barnes won Rookie of the Year. Now, you know, talking about him, what, what kind of leap can he make? Well, it's too crowded in Toronto for him to be MVP. Probably a little too early for him to be most improved player with other guys. You know, Durant's in the consideration of going to Toronto. They still have Siakam. They still have Ananobi. What about Scotty Barnes, defensive player of the year? You can get him at 120-1 to 1 on Sandal. I, I like a small bet on that in the fact that he was regarded as arguably the best defense, defensive rookie in last year's class. And you're seeing him on possibly one of the best defensive teams, a possible 50-plus win playoff team in the East as well with Toronto. So I really like the value on those odds there. And another one in a similar type of situation is Evan Evan Mobley. You see the growth of him throughout his rookie season, another playoff team in Cleveland. You can get uh, Mobley 40-1 to defensive player of the year at MGM right now. So those are two guys, rookies. So I think how do you reward second-year success if they can't necessarily win an award like most improved or MVP. I think those two will be live when we're talking mid-season guys who have a chance to win Defensive Player of the Year. Chris Dell, Sports Map Elite, Bet Predators with us on the HRMP guest line, dropping the money plays. I mean, he's giving you the freebies. I mean, you, you, you're going to win money on freebies. That's, that's a little like stealing. Uh, Chris, let's, uh, let's turn to the NFL. You know, you hit some NBA futures. How about the NFL futures? What do you like? Uh, where's, where's the value in the NFL futures board? Yeah, you know, a couple of quarterback props that I like. As much as I don't like Carson Wentz as a quarterback, you know, I kind of like his over 23-and-a-half touchdown passes. I cannot see how Wentz won't get over this number unless he gets benched or hurt. And obviously that's a risk, but – Washington has made an investment into bringing him over there. They obviously made a huge investment in making Terry McLaurin one of the highest-paid players in the league. And Carson Wentz, he had 27 touchdown passes last year for a Colts team that was maybe the most run-first offense in the entire league, and that led for for a lot of their games, even though they didn't make the playoffs in the end. So you're talking about going over to a, a team that struggled to run the ball in Washington, who has an alpha one type of receiver, even more so than Mike, Michael Pittman was in uh, Indianapolis last year for Wentz. So I think that Washington will be trailing in more games than not, especially with the Cowboys and the surging Eagles in this division, even with a possibly improved Giants team. So for me, instead of going to bet the under, on the Washington football team or the, the commanders uh, win total this year. I'd rather just take the over on Carson Wentz because they're going to be trailing enough. They're going to be passing enough. They're going to be struggling to run the ball enough to where I think he'll be definitely live to at least equal the touchdown passes he had, which was 27 last year. We know he likes to swing the ball around. And Washington wants that narrative of having a successful quarterback take the helm at least for the next couple of years after the disaster they had in trying to give, give the reins over to Taylor Heineke. Last season, I'll say the same thing even for Daniel Jones, over 19-and-a-half touchdown passes, around 20 in some markets, 20-and-a-half. This is a guy who's obviously going to be paired with Brian Dayball. And, look, I absolutely believe the Giants are a contender to go over their win total as well here as a surprise team in a weak NFC conference overall. 
But Daniel Jones has some decent weapons on that team. Saquon Barkley is healthy, can catch the ball out of the backfield. And I think what, you know exactly what you saw with what Brian Dayball was able to do to a similar type of prospect in Josh Allen, a big guy who has a nice cannon for an arm, who can run the ball, who has really good wheels, scrambling, running the ball. I think that Daniel Jones, that, that's not high of a bar for him to get over. Even if he has a subpar season, I believe they stick with him for at least one full season as long as he's healthy. Kind of a prove-it type of year there to see what Brian Dayball can do with him. So I think that number is just too low. And again, these are two teams I believe are going to be trailing more often than not. And when you're trailing more often than not, that means you're going to be passing more often than not. And there's going to be a chance for some garbage time touchdowns as well. You know, if you're losing 14, 21 points, in the second half, in the fourth quarter, you're going to have chances to rack up those touchdowns throughout the course of the entire season. I think Jones gets that leash. I think Wentz has a really good chance to get that leash in a weak conference, too. So those are two uh, quarterbacks that maybe I'm not high on talent-wise, winning-wise, but I'm definitely high on betting the over on those touchdown props. He's Chris Dell, Sports Map Elite, Bet Predators with us on the HRMP guest line. All right, Chris, I know we're, we're coming to the end here, but there's there's still one more section of of things that we got to get to, so we might we might stretch a little bit here, but I know you've got World Cup stuff, and I may not be the biggest soccer fan, but man, I watched the World Cup, and I think a lot of people might not necessarily be be you know watching MLS, but they'll watch the World Cup. What do you got on a World Cup? How much time we got, Patrick? I got a lot. Well, uh, let's, let's figure out to start with, with some uh, some best bets here uh, that I've already made for the World Cup. Uh, two of my favorite bets I mentioned in passing in, in some of the segments we did prior, but Brazil to win Group D, uh, you know, this is the number one ranked team in the world right now. And when you look at the competition they have to get through, Switzerland, Serbia, Cameroon, which is one of the lowest ranked teams in the entire World Cup field, at minus Minus 220, some of these odds are more than worth paying. I have them lying closer to minus 350, closer to even minus 400 to win this group outright. I think that's really good value and absolutely make sure to shop around because some of these books have really big differences in the numbers and lines that they're hanging for some of these props and some of these match lines as well. So that's that's probably one of my top two favorite bets for the World Cup so far. I would say my second one would be Uruguay. South American team, you know, my, my family, my mom's side of the family is from Colombia. I watch a lot of the South American qualifying with the Common Bowl group. And Uruguay's a team that's kind of flown under the radar over the last couple of years. They're consistently making World Cup after World Cup. I like them just to qualify from the group stage in Group H to make it to the final 16. Now you can get that at minus 200 as well. This is another bet that I have like closer to minus 300, minus 350. And you look at the competition that they have to uh, face in Ghana and South Korea. Now, I have a power rating system. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds with this, but they basically have the number one rank in terms of a number two seed in a group over the three and four seeds. So maybe they lose to Portugal straight up and Cristiano Ronaldo, Portugal's ranked top ten, all that good stuff. But they have the biggest advantage out of all eight groups over the final three and four seeds in that group. So I really like that. And I also like two other teams that I haven't bet yet, but I'm, I'm looking at really hard to add to my card. Mexico to qualify from their group, having to beat just Poland and Saudi Arabia. And then Denmark to qualify from their group over Tunisia and Australia. I think there's really good value on those. So we're talking about top 12 ranked teams in the world that are facing teams that are going to be ranked anywhere from like 30 
to number 60 overall. So those props I really like. And then talking about match day, right? Like who are going to be the first games of the first couple days? We're going to have 32 teams playing. That means 16 games or 16 matches, excuse me, my, my non-soccer language here, my non-football language, but we're going to have 16 matches over the course of two or three days. And I have the net ratings for the FIFA World Rankings for these teams as of right now because all the qualifying is over. So I believe that, you know, these things can obviously fluctuate. The rankings can change going into November. We've got quite a few months ahead of us in terms of that timeline. But the biggest differences in world ranking for match day, number one, all these teams' first match of the tournament, Portugal versus Ghana is the number one rank. They have a plus 51 net rating advantage. Portugal is ranked number nine in the world by FIFA. Ghana is the lowest ranked team in the entire tournament. They're ranked 60th in the world. They're the only team that made the World Cup that's actually ranked lower than 53. Now, Saudi Arabia is the team that's ranked 53rd. No one else is lower than 50. But for some reason, teams that have a similar net rating to Portugal over Ghana, you're talking about Argentina, they're minus 525 to win. Belgium, minus 360 to win. France, minus 475. Spain, minus 350. Portugal has the number one net rating, power rating advantage, and they're only minus 205 to, to win versus 60th ranked team in the world in Ghana. I really like that bet. Another one that I need at, at closer to even money odds you can find here, Uruguay has the sixth best net rating advantage over their first opponent, a plus 25 net rating advantage over South Korea. Uruguay, Uruguay ranked 12th in the world uh, right now, 13th in the world, where South Korea is ranked 28th in the world overall. You can get them at my, about minus 20 if you shop around, probably minus 130 on DraftKings, I believe, right now. So those are two matches I really like, as well as Brazil over Serbia. Talked about them and their, the value in their group. Denmark over Tunisia. Mexico plus 175 over Poland. I think it's fantastic value. So those are some of the bets I've made. Those are the things I'm looking at is where are these teams really kind of classify and group themselves on the world stage? And how are they going to be coming into this tournament? Because a lot of narratives can be overblown. A lot of people are going to be overhyped on the USA. They have the worst odds out of my power rankings in terms of their day one matchup against the Wales team, where USA is coming in right now, ranked 14th in the world. Wales is 19th in the world. So that, that's going to be a pretty close match, I think, despite the odds that we're going to see as USA being the favorites in that match. So those are some of my, some of my favorite bets there for the World Cup. Again, Brazil to win their group. Uruguay to qualify from their group. And then definitely taking Uruguay versus South, South Korea on match day one, Portugal over Ghana. Those are definitely some of my favorite bets for the World Cup. I get on them as early as possible because I think as these lines start to get closer to the actual matches, we're going to see a lot more money coming in here. That's going to shake some of these favorites, and we're not going to maybe see Portugal having that value despite having the biggest, biggest power rating advantage in terms of all the 16 matches that are going to be going on over the first couple of days. He's Chris Thelman, dropping all the insight, get you the money plays, help you put the money in your pocket when you go to your favorite sports wagering site and put down your bets so you can cash in. Chris Dell, sportsmapelite.com, betpredators.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Mad Journalist. That's Mad with two Ds, M-A-D-D, Journalist. Chris Dell, sportsmapelite, betpredators. Chris, appreciate you, my brother. Thank you for taking some time with us. Always, man, I'll tell you, man, you made me some money this year, so, you know, you're getting a Christmas present. Uh, appreciate your time, brother. We'll catch up soon. Always a pleasure, Patrick. Have a good night, man. All right, Chris Dell, Sports Map Elite and Bet Predators with us on the HRNP guest line. Uh, coming up next, Robert Flores joined the Killer Bees earlier. Uh, he had some things to say about your Houston Astros. We'll hear from him next. 
to call into the HRNP listener line, dial 713-780-ESPN. Administration of employee benefits is a hassle. Let HRNP eliminate those burdens and save you money. Visit hrp.net today. You're listening to Late Hits on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Presented by Dr. Jennifer Joseph, Get Physical Rx, and by Dr. Krista Reyes, Texas Sinus and Snoring Audiology. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Patrick Creighton. All right, bottom of the fourth, Astros have cut the lead down to 5-3. Because, let's be real, it's not like they can't score six runs against the freaking Royals. They're uh, chipping away at this lead. Now, earlier today, Robert Flores was on with the Killer Bees. And this is what Roflo had to say as far as what the Astros should be looking for in the trade market. I think they need one more arm in the bullpen, preferably a left-handed one. Um, I'm still a little, you know, I, I need more time with, uh, with, with Jake Myers. I mean, the, the center field position as a whole for me, that's still one that, um, that I look at as, as one that still is a work in progress. Uh, Yuli Gurriel has definitely been hitting the ball better. Alex Bregman has certainly been hitting the ball much better uh, yesterday with another homer and a double, so that's all welcome signs. The catching position, I think, is going to be the most intriguing about what they – want to do with that because obviously Martin Maldonado and Jason Castro uh, and you want to throw Corey Lee in there, uh, you know, as well. Um, they're not giving you offensively say what other teams are doing, you know, like JT Real Muto or Wilson Contreras, who his name has been mentioned as a possible connection with the Astros, but particularly Martin Maldonado, he gives you so much more where his offense can just be considered gravy. But is that, how much longer is that sustainable? Now, look, I will agree with Roflo here. When the Astros brought Maldonado back, they expected he's going to be, you know, great at handling the staff, and he has been. Terrific defensively, and he has been. And his offense, whatever he gives you, be gravy. I think the expectation was Maldonado would, you know, hit around his career average of 220. Maldonado's hitting 148. We're in July. He's hitting 148. I'm sorry, there is no amount of defense that you could play that justifies a guy hitting 148 in July. Sorry, it doesn't exist. Even if he was the greatest defense, if, if he was Johnny Bench... If he was peak Pudge Rodriguez, it doesn't justify 147. Now that he's 0 for 2 tonight, 147. His on base is 218. That should be what he's hitting. That's his on base. That is beyond shameful. 
you just have to accept the fact he is not a major league quality bat. He's not even a, a backup quality bat. And you go on and on about all the defense. Well, well, it doesn't matter. He is an automatic out. He gets a big home run one day. Like, oh my gosh, look, Maldonado got a hit. Yeah, he won't get another one for two weeks. Enjoy it. If the Astros aren't all in for Wilson Contreras, they miss the boat. Because think about what this offense is if the catcher position is a legit bat. Not a legit bat for a catcher, but a legit bat. Oh, and he happens to be a high-end defensive catcher as well. That is the guy. You go to the Cubs, you make a deal, you swing it for for Wilson Contreras, add in David Robertson, you pull that deal, you are the favorites to win the World Series. Just like that. You are the favorites. Does Jake Myers need a little bit more time? Look, Jake Myers is their best option in center field. He absolutely goes and gets it. He is an excellent defensive center fielder. He was the best center fielder in AAA last year. He is nearly elite level defensively. He's got a big arm. He runs very well. He has power. He makes contact. He's young. He's unproven at the major league level. But what he's shown you in the short time he's been at the major league level is he's ready to play. And since he's going to bat at the bottom of the lineup anyway, Think about what this lineup is when you put it all together and it's healthy with Wilson Contreras and Jose Altuve and Michael Brantley and Myers. Who's the out? Who's the guy that you say, okay, I can get this guy? Because the only guy left is Yuli. And we hope... You know, Yuli had a nice hit. We got a big hit yesterday. We hope Yuli will finally come around. If he doesn't, well, then J.J. Matajevic better be getting some more opportunity at first base. But the normal healthy lineup, adding in Contreras, is eight deep. Nobody in baseball is eight deep. They'd be the favorites. Not to mention, David Robertson looks like David Robertson 2009 right now. And you put that guy in the back of the pen with Ryan Presley. Game's over after the seventh inning. They're not scoring. You don't have to worry about Presley pitching on back-to-backs because, well, Robertson will pitch those games. You know, Neris will pitch those games. Stanek will pitch those games. The back of the pen becomes very strong. Siri doesn't understand, though. I I didn't say, hey, Siri, but apparently she wanted to get her two cents in. Lefty reliever? Yeah, Andrew Chavin's a lefty reliever. Probably won't cost much to get. But if, if you want to go from, yeah, we're competing to, yeah, we're coming to kick your ass, 
then you make the deal for Wilson Contreras. Never in my life have I seen a fan base so arduently defend a guy hitting under 150 for three months. Jay Godorizzi has one bad start. You want to send him to Siberia. Maldonado gets one hit in a month, and he's the greatest guy who ever lived. The hell wrong with you? Why is the logic train not getting to the station? Then Roflo had another comment about who is rooting, quote, against the Astros. I did grow up in Houston, Mm -hmm. and I'm now a member of the national media, which everyone hates, by the way. We get it. Everyone hates the media. Everyone, you know, everyone hates your team. We all root against your team and stuff like that. So, with that being said, the anti-Astro East Coast bias thing, for the most part, yeah, there's some pockets here and there, I'm sure. But for the most part, uh, it doesn't exist. I'm, I'm here to tell you it does not exist. Most people, members of the media, writers, broadcasters, again, you're going to have a couple of holdouts. But for the most part, they are so beyond 2017. And it, it, it's just not something that no one's holding a grudge against the Astros. Uh, again, I'm speaking in general terms. No one is rooting for them to fail. Uh, lies, fallacies, non-truths, and fabrications. That entire thing was shenanigans. I like Roflo, but did, did he not watch the Astros who were just in New York? Did he not hear the things that they say to the Astros or what they say to Jose Altuve? And were we not were we not just remarking that John Heyman, national writer, very accomplished guy I respect a lot. But John Heyman, who was out there beating the drum about those cheating SOB Astros. Finally wrote a piece that said, hey, look, it's time to stop ragging on Altuve. One, we know he wasn't cheating. Two, every time you rag on him, he hits a homer. How many times do we have to hear bleep Altuve? How many times do we have to hear cheater? Because you heard it in Queens, too. We hear, (laughs) everywhere they go, you hear it. And it doesn't even matter if that team has a member of the 2017 Astros on their roster. Isn't that true, Yankees? The idea of, oh, there's no national bias. BFS. I've had national writers on this show who have told me, oh, there's definitely a bias. They know. Let's not lie about it. You don't have to do your boys a solid. There's no East Coast bias. BFS! People aren't still rooting against the Astros. 
Did you not hear the comments from the Yankees general manager before the season? Oh, we'd have definitely gone back to multiple World Series if it wasn't for the most egregious cheating scandal to ever happen in the history of baseball. Not rooting against the Astros. BFS. I like Roflo. Great dude. But that's just some straight up shenanigans. I don't know if somebody paid him to say that. Did he lose a bet? But uh, there, people aren't rooting against the Astros is about as true as I'm six foot five and skinny. It's about that true. It's it's about as true as Jake Asman can dunk on a ten foot rim. It's about as true as Brad Kelder can produce word can pronounce words correctly. It's true like Joel Blank is always happy. It's true like Jeremy Branham is bald. Like John Granado hates golf. I was going to say something about Paul, but, you know, I can't think of one. Because, you know, Paul's so eclectic. <laughs> there's, there, there is zero. That is just straight up lies and fabrications. People aren't rooting against, against the Astros. People have forgotten 2017. No, we tell them, but they haven't. Their teams were cheating too, but they ignore it. Because you can't fix that level of stupid. And it's not just fans. There's plenty of media. I have friends in media who still can't stop making the trash can jokes. You know, they said to me, so, uh, you know, how loud was the trash can batting? I don't know. I didn't hear it. I was too busy shining my World Series ring. You know, the one that you don't have. You guys cheated and you didn't win. That means you sucked at cheating and you sucked at baseball. Wraps it up for us tonight. Tomorrow night, special edition Soccer Matters with the man, Glenn Davis. But we're back here on Friday night at 7 o'clock. Want to say thank you to Salman Ali uh, joining us earlier today. Red Nation Hoops, Chris Dell, Sports Map Elite, Bet Predators, Noah Fouts on the other side of the glass. All of our texters, tweeters, and twitchers. Love talking to you guys, hanging out with you guys. Cutting it up. We'll do it again on Friday. Coming up next, it's two-time Hall of Famer Booker T. It's the boat, Brad Gilmore. The Hall of Fame is next. ESPN 97.5. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.